it was really important on that deal to have a company that understands turning units fast and construction and managing contractors and all that stuff, having the right construction management arm. Some property management companies don't deal with that. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. I want to introduce to you Ash Patel. He's a full-time commercial real estate investor. He's going to be doing the interview today and a lot of them moving forward. I'm still going to be doing interviews, just not as many. And he is going to ask tough questions while still building rapport. That way it's not awkward. He's a good friend of mine. Join me in welcoming Ash Patel. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Jimmy Edwards. Jimmy is joining us from Dallas, Texas. Jimmy, thank you for joining us, and how are you today? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great, and thank you. Jimmy was a guest on our previous episode. If you Google Joe Fairless and Jimmy Edwards, you'll be able to find the episode that he was on. So today is Sunday. Best ever listeners, we are going to do a skill set Sunday where we talk about a particular skill that our guest has. Jimmy just closed on his first full cycle deal, which yielded a two times multiple in 35 months. He purchased the property at a 50% occupancy and sold it at a 92% occupancy. Jimmy is a full-time investor and has invested in 570 units and has successfully sold over 100 single family homes. Jimmy, before we get into your particular skill set, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Absolutely. I'm a full-time real estate investor, all multifamily. I've been in real estate pretty much my entire career. So about 15 years, I started out as a realtor selling high-rise condos in Houston. And then in the recession, I was originating loans. So I was a mortgage broker. And then in 2013, I started flipping houses full-time. 2016, I think we did 60 houses that year. And then 2017 kind of was shift in mindset. How do we scale? We do more properties, bigger properties. And it was kind of a pivotal moment discovering multifamily and how to scale that way. So I've been doing multifamily since 2018. Haven't looked back. Jimmy, who is the we? I have several partners, but my main partner, her name's Catherine. And we've actually been friends since college. And we really started kicking it off around 2013, flipping houses together and then doing multifamily. We have several joint ventures and other co-GPs, but really we kind of do everything together. We have pretty good complementary skill sets. Purchasing an apartment complex at a 50% occupancy. Tell me about that, please. Yeah. So that was an interesting deal. The owner actually had to bring about 500K to closing to get out of the loan. It was a deal we looked at. It was in Lubbock, Texas, where we actually went to college. So we knew Lubbock. We knew Texas Tech. I actually knew the building. I had some friends that lived there back in the day. And we looked at it. We smelled the opportunity. It was similar to what we've been doing in single family, buy distressed, rehab, and sell higher. And it was 50% occupied when we bought it. Shortly after takeover, it went down to mid-30s occupancy. And then we filled it back up. It was as you can imagine, pretty significant rehab. 
the pool was down 30, 40 units were down units. So not even livable. So we had a pretty substantial rehab budget, but we also got it at a really good price. So it was something that we were not afraid to do and it worked out really well. Let's start with the initial numbers. How many units were there? So it was 103 units. What was the purchase price? Three and a half million. There's a 50% occupancy at closing. Right. And the seller had to come up with 500,000 to get out of the deal. Yeah. Do you remember what he or she paid for it? I think he paid close to four. And I know that it was an interesting deal because we'd actually contracted at three, nine. And when we initially toured the property, we saw some good make readies. And when we did due diligence, we started walking units and we really found a bunch of cannibalized units. There were holes in the floor. You could see the dirt. And I don't know that the seller or the broker really knew what was going on. So we went back and we said, guys, we found a lot more than I think any of us had expected. So we ended up getting it for three and a half because our budget increased, but it was a pretty big lift. When you say cannibalized units, does that mean they robbed appliances and toilets and all that good stuff? Absolutely. Some units had missing appliances. Some didn't have toilets, like you said. Some had fixtures, some didn't. Some had flooring, some didn't. So they were just kind of, whenever they would turn a unit, they would pull something from another vacant one to try to put one back together. Definitely a desperate landlord at that time. Where did that $3.5 million down payment come from? And what was that down payment? So we raised equity. We syndicated that deal. I think three and a half million was a purchase price and we had about a million in rehab. So I think we ended up raising about a million dollars on that deal. We got, we got a bank loan from a local bank that we had a relationship with and they trusted us and believed in us. And we raised a million dollars just through friends and family and some of the multifamily networks around us. And then how did you drop occupancy to 30% when you bought it out of 50? I think that it was just one of those things that they were putting people in there that probably weren't qualified. I think they were trying to beef up the occupancy on the sale. They were doing $99 move-in specials and a lot of those tenants tend to move in for $99 and then stay for about 60 without paying and then move on to the next deal. So we didn't intend on going in and cleaning house, but it just kind of happened naturally. I think a lot of people saw new ownership, new management. It's not going to be the easy life anymore. So we just had quite a few skips and there's probably a couple of evictions, but it was just kind of like a natural thing. But in hindsight was what needed to happen. So pretty rough part of town. It was in a nice part of town. So a nice was, part of know, town, but just a rundown property. Close to campus, just a out-of-state seller that didn't have the right management company in there or didn't have the right partnership, didn't have the right asset manager. I'm not really sure how the ball dropped, but at some point over a five-year span, they just stopped putting money back into the property. I think they kind of saw that there wasn't any light at the end of the tunnel. And at that point, it just really started going downhill. So when your pool is green and never open and when there's no maintenance guys not repairing anything, you tend to get tenants that don't really have any other options, right? So it just becomes a rundown property. It's about 10, 15 blocks from campus. It's workforce housing, but it's in a nice part of town. There's $100,000 houses around it. It's across from a 40 acre park, a beautiful property, just didn't have the right 
team in place. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. As your portfolio grows, you need financial management services you can rely on to help you save money and continue making the right choices for your company's future. Realestateaccounting.co's top-tier CFO team uses their deep industry and operating experience to guide real estate syndicators, investors, and family offices through every pivotal moment and crucial decision. Their fractional CFO services include budget to actual, cash flow and distributions, and reporting and valuation. Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO to find out why REA is one of the fastest growing real estate accounting companies around. The real estate experts provide timely analysis and consultations to help you make the most informed decisions possible. See and trust where your portfolio is headed with the customized financial reports based on the KPIs that matter to you and your business. Try it risk-free today at realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO. If you're not sure where to start investing or need help taking the next step, mentorship and coaching is one of the best ways to get going. Think Multifamily is a leading apartment acquisition and education company who provides true one-on-one coaching to help you invest for your family's future. Their servant leadership approach will guide you to successfully scale your real estate business or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved. Did you hire a PM company right away? We did. So we interviewed several property management companies and initially aligned with someone that understood our vision. Like we're going to spend money and then we're going to do a lease up. So we hired a company. We did well at first with them, but as with a lot of things, they went through a merge and the company from the top down changed. So we got different results and eventually had to change to another management company that took us to the finish line and understood the vision. So it was really important on that deal to have a company that understands turning units fast and construction and managing contractors and all that stuff, having the right construction management arm. Some property management companies don't deal with that, right? So really just making sure we were aligned off the bat. What advice would you give to others in your situation that need a complete turnaround in their property when interviewing a property management company? What type of advice should they follow? Really, I think for us and what I've learned is the most important person on the team comes from the top down. But I think really the regional manager is kind of going to be the key because the property manager is probably your most important person, but the regional is going to hire them or they're going to fire them. And then kind of full circle, if the property manager doesn't have support from the regional or higher up, then they're going to sink or they're going to quit. So we have several property management companies that we work with and sometimes in different parts of town or different cities, two different property management companies could have two completely different regionals, right? So what's working with one regional may not be working in a different area. So we really go through the process of interviewing the regionals and understanding, hey, 
have you worked on projects like this and what have your results been? So we'll drive other properties that are under their scope and see what they've done and what they're doing and proof of concept. How often were you or your team members on site? At least once a month in the first year, we were going back and forth monthly. Even properties that have gone the full turnaround, we're up there once a quarter. But on that deal, we'd go up there once a month when we first got started. And when we first took over, we were there for a couple of weeks initially. All right. Because once a month doesn't seem like often enough on a property this bad. So initially you were there for a few weeks, got the property management company started, had enough faith in them to where you could come back once a month. What kind of updates or reports did you receive from your property management company? We were getting daily reporting KPIs and my partner, Catherine, kind of back to that. Her background is in construction management. So before we teamed up, she was doing due diligence for apartment owners and doing CapEx management. So she's had a lot of experience managing contractors and doing stuff remotely and juggling different projects. So she was really supporting the on-site team with the management of the CapEx. So it wasn't all on the management company. We were facilitating a lot of the CapEx on a heavy list so that the management company could really work on the KPIs, marketing, leasing, all that stuff. So we would get daily reports, move-ins, move-outs, how many units were ready, what units we needed ready. So it was really just that factor. How do we lease this thing up and what do you need from us? We had a team go out and I think we gave them 20 units right off the bat, get these units ready. And we ended up having, like I said, some skips and evictions and those units were not that bad. So we facilitated a make ready team going in there to doing those units at the same time. So we had a lot of moving parts on that deal. And as you get in there, you start hearing from tenants, this clean out once a month, there's sewage pouring out of it. So we start finding out about concerns that we didn't know about or that you didn't find in due diligence and had other big repairs that we had to do. So it was pretty intense for the first six months. It took up the majority of our time. Did your investors get spooked when occupancy went down to 30%? And how did you handle communications with your investors when you found out things are really bad? Sure. We'd been buying distressed properties for the past six years. So we kind of knew there's going to be skeletons in the closet. So we had budgeted additional money for contingencies. And we also going in knew we were in the red, right? So we got extra capital for operating costs. And I think a lot of our investors understood the type of deal and also understood our track record and experience with managing these type of rehab, even though it was in the single family space. So I think a lot of our investors just had faith in us as a sponsorship team. And I think that the initial drop in occupancy was kind of to be expected. And we did monthly reporting and we provided a lot of updates. So we were well capitalized. And I think everyone had similar expectations that it was going to be a hairy deal to start, but everyone was confident we would get it to where it needed to be. Can you talk about the GPLP structure that you used on this deal? Sure. On this deal, we had a 80-20 split with our GP team and our LP team. Catherine and I had two other co-sponsors on this deal who had done other projects similar to this in the past. So they had done similar heavy lifts and had the experience and the balance sheet and some of the track record. And then we came in and said, hey, 
we're interested in doing deals like this. We found this deal. Do y'all want to partner together? And we did. So it was really a good match. We had some good mentors and some good experience on the team to really move it all forward together. And was there a preferred return for the limited partners? There was not. On the deal like that, when we're going into negative cash flow, I'm hesitant to do a pref just personally because you can dig yourself in a hole if you're not careful. So we projected some cash flow in year two and three, but it wasn't a given. And I think a lot of our investors kind of knew. Hey, dude, we're not expecting any cash flow. This is going to be a back-end type deal. The basis that we were getting it at and the comps that we had, and I think everyone understood the kind of deal that it was. And we didn't do any distributions. The entire return was made on the back-end and everyone was extremely happy. It exceeded our expectations. I think our initial projection was an 80% return in five years. The back end of those years was going to be cash flow and then a significant part on the sale, but we exceeded that and ended up over a hundred percent and in the 35 months, like you said, and everybody, I think wish put more money into the deal. Did any of your investors want monthly quarterly distributions? Did you lose any investors because you weren't providing that? We didn't. I think that there's three different types of investors out there. You have people that maybe are on a fixed income and cash flow is their number one thing. They're not really even concerned about the backside. And we really didn't have any of those in this deal. I think you also have a lot of investors that maybe they're investing with IRA funds, or maybe they have a diverse portfolio between cash flowing deals and deals like this with big and pops. I think there's a lot of people, me specifically, I'm not living off of dividends. So I'd rather invest in a deal is going to make higher returns, even if it has lower cash flow, just because that's who I am. That's who I've always been. So I think there's just different investors for different deals. And we had a little bit of mix of both, but I think primarily everyone understood if you're looking for cash flow day one, this isn't that. Initially, it was going to be a five year hold, but in month 35, you sold it. In what month did you know that this is the time to sell? And was it marketed or was it just an off market offer? I think it was around the 30th month. We kind of identified, hey, we're at 90%. And this was probably October of 2020. So we'd come out of COVID. We did pretty well. And we kind of saw that cap rates were compressing. Money was coming back and pretty significantly. And we just thought, hey, this is a good time to sell. We can get good returns and people are interested in buying this deal. So we had a couple opinions of values from brokers and We actually went with the team that sold us the deal. So this was probably their, I think they sold this deal to the seller that we bought it from. So long story short, this is going to be their third time to sell the deal. Wait a minute. The seller who sold you this property bought it back? No, no, no. I'm sorry. We went with the broker that sold it to us that had sold it to the seller. So this was the broker's third time transacting this same property. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Do you manage your own rental properties? If you do, or if you're about to, I want to tell you about Rent Ready because I'm guessing they have some services that you wish you had. Rent Ready is a property management software that allows you to manage your business from your computer or phone. With Rent Ready, you're able to collect rent online and get paid. Find the perfect tenant with the built-in screening and listing service and get your leases signed with the click of a button. And tenants really love using Rent Ready's app too. They can pay rent using the card. 
ACH, cash. They can set up auto pay, get renter's insurance if you require it. And they can even build their credit score through RentReady's new credit reporting feature. And the best part, RentReady is unlimited. That's right. All this is flat priced. There's no tricks or hidden fees. RentReady is designed for investors who manage their own properties so that you don't have to worry about paying more for building your business. You can start managing and scaling your rental properties without scaling costs. And RentReady has given us an amazing deal to pass on to the best ever listeners. You can get RentReady's annual plan for only 54 bucks at RentReady.com when you use our special code BESTEVER. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com with the code B-E-S-T-E-V-E-R at RentReady.com to get RentReady's annual plan for only 54 bucks. Did you know that credit checks miss 85% of the information landlords and property managers need to verify new tenants? That's a problem. The solution is Rentify. Rentify provides a platform that allows you to instantly access prospective tenants' financial information and compiles it all into a quick and easy-to-read report to help you select the highest quality tenants. You can access income, payroll, past rent payments, non-sufficient funds, and overdraft history all in one place. Rentify's reports instantly verify the full financial picture of the tenant, so there's no chance of being duped with false information. No one likes to be duped. And the best part is that you can have it all at your fingertips in as little as five minutes. Go check out Rentify at TrustRentify.com and stop wasting time and start fast-tracking the tenant screening process with confidence and ease. With Rentify, you'll no longer have to waste hours or even days collecting all the information you need to verify a tenant, which makes life easier for you and your applicants. Visit TrustRentify.com and use the promo code FAIRLESS for 25% off your first purchase. That's T-R-U-S-T-R-E-N-T-I-F-Y dot com and put in the promo code FAIRLESS. That's my last name, F-A-I-R-L-E-S-S, for 25% off your first purchase. In month 30 or thereabout, you realize now's the time to sell. But just prior to that, you were at 90% occupancy. So you must have been cash flowing quite well. Well, we did have cash flow, but we were sitting on it because we were in the middle of 2020. So at about the same time, our interest only had either expired or about to expire. So we either needed to refi and get more interest only because that would have beefed up the cash flow. But we just decided, hey, look, this was a heavy lift. We've completed our business plan. Let's let somebody else have the opportunity to keep pushing the deal. And did you solicit feedback from investors on whether they wanted to sell or not? We did. And I think everybody was of the opinion that if we could get good returns, let's go ahead and make the sale. Yeah. You don't go broke taking a profit, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your hardest lesson learned on this deal in the 35 months? There's a lot of things that you don't know, but looking back, it all is simple. This deal specifically, it was a chiller property and one of the chillers was new. The other was a little bit older, but One of the things that we had not expected was in all the vacant units, we inspected all the air handlers. They were in decent shape. But one of the interesting things that we found was once we started rehabbing units, we discovered that there wasn't any ducting. 
So I don't know if this was commonplace back in the late 60s, early 70s, but the air handlers were just pumping air through the attic space. And we were basically cooling down the attic and not the unit. So the machine was running correctly, but it wasn't forcing the air into the unit. So we got into this deal and then started finding there's no ducting in these things. And it's an all bills paid property. So people are just running them all day. They're complaining because they're not getting cool. So really that was kind of a surprise that I'd never experienced before. And one of the things we check now, right? Do these AC units have ducting? Because you'd be surprised. Sometimes they don't. And not having adequate AC in Lubbock, Texas is a big problem. It's a little hot out there. Yeah. Jimmy, when you took over this property, the reputation of it had to have been abysmal. What did yeah. you guys do to let the surrounding community know that there's new ownership, there's new life into this building, and you're going to turn it around? 100%. It had a really bad reputation. And that's one of the things that we kind of look for. When buying properties is, A, do they have an online presence? Because if they don't, then I already know we can do a better job. But if they do have an online presence, what does it look like? And it was really bad. They hadn't had pest control in several years. So everyone had bugs and roaches, which we had to remediate. But yeah, we went in and we immediately rebranded, changed the name, put up banners and signs under new management, under new ownership. We redid the office so that when people... Even current tenants or new people came in, they would see, hey, there's a fresh new look. And then things as simple as having people pick up trash daily, getting the pool water clear again, just things that hadn't been done in a long time. And we did that really fast so that people knew, hey, we're putting money into this property. And then we did a survey with the residents. Let us know if you have maintenance issues. And so we had dozens of tickets within the first couple of weeks, but we ramped up and had several maintenance guys more than what the property needs to live on. And we just started going in and fixing tickets and let people know, hey, we're here. So just really trying to get a grasp on what's going on at the property, letting people know that we're here and we want to take care of you. And Jimmy, did you renovate these units or just stabilize them? Was there like a gut renovation? Was there just cleaning it up, paint, lipstick? About a handful of each. There was about half and half. Half of the units, we just went in and turned them as classics. And then the other half were in such bad shape that it's like, hey, if we're going to go in here and do flooring, carpet, resurface the counters, new appliances, it costs us the same. Let's make it look not like a classic. So initially we had a really nice product in the beginning, which was part of our business plan too. If we're renovating these units, we'll go ahead and rent the classics out at this price, but we're trying to fill this property up. So the classics were a little bit discounted from market. When you say classics, you mean the dated ones? The dated ones, yeah. (laughs) The dated ones were under market. All of our prices were initially under market. So we were renting nicer product at a market rate that the competitors were releasing a dated product, right? We wanted to fill it up and then we'll push rents and burn off loss to lease. So our goal was really filling it up. But yeah, we had a handful of rehab units. Our model was a rehab unit. So people would come in and they say, oh, this is really nice. And then sometimes they would want a lower price. So we'd rent them a classic unit. And by not renovating all of the units, this new buyer has the potential to increase rents even further by renovating the classic units. 100%. That's their business plan. So we kind of knew that going in, Hey, we can save some money. Our business plan is to fill it up. We'll rehab the down units, prove the model. 
and then the handful of classics to where they can keep the business plan going. Yeah. And what were the numbers on that sale? The purchase price was 3.5 million. 3.5, about a million in rehab and operating capital. I think we sold it right at six and a half million. That's a win in 35 months. Yeah. It worked out really well. People were really happy. Yeah. Doubling your money in a short time, much shorter than your projected returns. Yeah. Was there a waterfall clause in your operating agreement? There wasn't. That was our first deal. And looking back, I wish we would have done one, but we didn't. So we shared all the upside equally 80-20 with our investors. And maybe going back to your question about biggest lessons learned, do another heavy lift like that. I certainly think as a sponsorship team, we would look at a waterfall. What would you envision those numbers to be? I think it probably depends on the deal. On a deal like that, I would think I'd go to a 50-50 split after a certain IRR. We ended up at like a 30 IRR on that deal. So every deal is different, right? But it was a lot of work. Are all of your investors in on future deals? Yes. We have a lot of repeat investors. Sometimes maybe all their money's spent, but we're working on a couple of things in the pipeline right now. And a lot of our investors are like, hey, I got money. You just sold this deal. You know, Let's do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing a lot of the great advice that you've learned from doing your first syndication. You've hit an incredible return on this, 100% in 35 months. What a win for you and your team. How can the best ever listeners reach out to you? Our website's High Five Multifamily, H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E, multifamily.com. It's got our bios, our deals, a little bit about us. I'll even post this show on there once it publishes. But yeah, reach out. There's a contact form. Go in there and reach out, set up a call, and we'll get in touch. Well, Jimmy, thank you again for joining us. Best ever listeners, thank you as well for joining us. Have a best ever day. Thanks for having me.